Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm CJ, and sitting around the table today, we have Crystal Chang. Hey there. Jamie Dickens. What up? And Ben Crawshaw. CJ, you nailed that intro. Hey that hey that hey is here. how you start a podcast. <laughs> Just <laughs> absolutely flawless. Hand motions CJ. and all. I'm going to clap. Let's clap for CJ. CJ getting us started. Awesome. Well, uh, why is your shirt off, CJ? <laughs> <laughs> it always happens I, uh, on the Fridays. I thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was on Team Skins. Are we not? Do, uh, is this not? What, what game are we playing here? It's Team I Pants and Team No Pants. That's <laughs> what it was. Right. That's, <laughs> that's pants why. off, dance off. <laughs> I'd rather not. Ha- I'd rather not have a shirt on than not have pants on. Jamie. Yeah, I agree. So. Good point. Um, well, uh, Ben, it is great to have you back. This is your second podcast with us, Jamie. You're like becoming a staple here on the podcast, yes! and we love it. So, oh, welcome too, back man. to you as well. And Crystal, as always, it's great to have you around the table today on rethinking youth ministry. We're going to be discussing the question: What's wrong with a rock star student pastor mentality? Because wow. Mm. Apparently, uh, it, there is this thing that's kind of m- that moves through the student pastor ecosystem, and it is this mentality of the rock star. But before we dive into that, is it just a youth pastor who plays the electric guitar, or what is it? What is the rock star student pastor mentality? <laughs> well, I one of the two concerts I went to when I was a senior in high school, I went to see the band Silverchair, and I went to see Blind Melon. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Jaime, you can sing it. All I can say is that <laughs> my life is pretty plain. Yeah, it was awkward that you both didn't know the last word. And yeah, all it, I can do it's not awkward for So two. yeah, you guys have probably heard, and they still play it like you know at CVS but randomly or the grocery <laughs> store. You'll hear it. Man, every time I'm hanging there on the weekends, they're playing it. <laughs> totally. I have three kids. I do hang at CVS <laughs> on the weekends. But um, so the lead singer. A blind melon was a guy named Shannon Hoon. So I yeah. went, I saw that concert in Atlanta. He God did one more song. show, then he overdosed, and so the band continued, and they tried to replace him with with other people, and it just wasn't the same. No. Like, tell me one song Blind Melon has came out with since then. And so I didn't know they came out with any other song. Was change with him? Yeah, change was still under him, right? Yeah, because I think they recorded another album that they were touring on that new album. Yeah, before he passed away. So listen, here's the point: is that when Shannon Hoon was out, all of a sudden the band they're not irrelevant because the Melonheads, their their fan club, they still love it because of Shannon Hoon, but not because of anybody after that. And it was really built on this personality. So when it comes to student ministry, you have student pastors who are hired and you're expected to do everything. You're, you're going to you know work with parents. You're going to recruit volunteers. You're going to hang out with every student. You're going to speak every week. You're going to plan the events, manage the social media, put your slides together. You're also going to be involved in big church and, be, and run a basketball league and run a basketball league. <laughs> yeah. And that is, it, it's really not the the fault of, of student pastors. It's kind of been for a long time the expectation of student pastors that you got to do everything and still look cool doing it. And all of a sudden, we've created a rock star mm. student pastor mentality. Yeah, CJ, I define it just like Ben did. I mean, I just wrote it down as it. It's a rock star student pastor is when the ministry is built around a person, their yeah. personality and or their talent. Uh, Which and, is blind melon well, yeah, was built right. around <laughs> Shannon Hoon. Right. And I, and I think another way of saying it is if you look at your ministry and the biggest attractor in it is you. Mm, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly what it is. And I think it's funny. It's easy to fall into that because it's the opposite of a couple of episodes. We talked about unexpected criticism. But I think anytime you're on a stage, there's also this unexpected praise um, that comes from, especially when it's teenagers and you're a even moderately cool student pastor, there is this I like, I don't know, groupies who kind of follow you around and think you're awesome and want to be like you and want to look like you. It's just easy to begin to build this tribe of people that think you're awesome. And before long, you build the whole ministry around the person they think is awesome, which is you. Yeah. And importantly, we're not saying what we're not talking about is being talented. That's not what we're targeting. We're not talking about being great or effective. We're not talking about your students loving you. Those are all great things, but that's different than being built around you. The, the goal and the structure of your ministry is me. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is the rock star mentality is this, this idea that somehow the ministry is kind of built around this person or this personality, and there's all these expectations to do everything and look cool doing it. There's all this praise. There are students that might want to like look like them, or I don't, I don't, you know, some of that kind of a thing. There's a tribe of mm-hmm. students or people that think you're awesome. And it's just kind of all of this wrapped up into one. Is that a fair summary? It's a one-man job. And, and you may have an assistant or you may have a volunteer that helps you with some administrative stuff, but everything else, you consider that part of your responsibility. And then I, I think the more talented you are, the more success you can have mm-hmm. as a rock star student pastor. Uh, but again, as Jamie said, those are separate from each other, but you can be very talented and you can build a very large, successful student ministry based on the rock star mentality. But how many of you listening have followed up, you know, have, have followed a, student, a rock star student pastor in your current student ministry job? Mm, and wow. they were the rock oh, star <laughs> and they left and all of a sudden you're there and it's like a graveyard and everybody's talking about how much they missed the person who was there before and the numbers have dwindled. You know it when you followed up a rock star in yeah. your job. It's a difference between building a ministry and just building a following. And uh, I mean, you can build a following, but building a ministry is something that lasts beyond you. If you are not currently planning a ministry that's going to last beyond you, you might, might be consciously or unconsciously doing the rock star thing. Mm. And the way I like to describe it, CJ, is it's building a skyscraper before you build a, a, a foundation. You think about mm-hmm. skyscraper foundations, how deep they go and how, you know, why they are and how strong they are, as opposed to just going, you know, ground level and trying to create a skyscraper and just hope it, you know, sustains storms and winds and all of that. That's the difference. It's, as Jamie's saying, starting with the foundation of a student ministry that is bigger than you and can outlast you. So my question is now at this point, just to kind of poke a little bit, <laughs> have any of you, Crystal, Jamie, Ben, have either, have any of you fallen to that student pastor rock star mentality? Have you battled that? And and if you realized that that was you at one point, maybe early on uh, in your career, what did that look like? Well, when I started in student ministry in 1998, that's all any of us knew. All mm. any of us had were the student pastors, and some could communicate, and they'd throw the big like uh, pizza parties, you know, back in the 90s, right. and it was like yep. everybody pizza would blast. show up. Yeah, Lock pizza in. blast. So innovative. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so uh, there was no like lead small culture. We didn't talk about mm-hmm. small groups. When, you, when we went to events, we'd have chaperones. <laughs> yep. But there was not a foundational, there wasn't this idea of partnering with parents. It was very much a one person to a bunch of teenagers kind of, of mindset. So that's all I knew. So I just thought I came in, I had to do everything and manage everything. I, I had really no context for there being anything other than that. 
<laughs> CJ, to answer your question, I've actually been the person on the other side of that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't the rock star, but I was at a church where that was sort of the expectation was a personality driven student ministry. And over the course of 10 years, as tends to happen, we lost about six student pastors. And every time one left, because the whole ministry was built around yep. that personality, the whole ministry yep. suffered or collapsed. And then those Happens of us who were volunteers or chaperones or were there trying to pick up the pieces of students who were truly, truly hurt because their entire faith was attached to a person. Mm-hmm. And it, it caused a lot of damage. Yeah, Jamie, I want to hear from you too. But it's, I'm just thinking like you, it's almost it's super easy to see this, not to derail us too much, mm-hmm. but in in large churches or in uh, right. or, uh, like in big church, quote unquote, where you have a figurehead, a big lead pastor, and then that pastor moves on or something happens. And then the congregation kind yep. of falls apart a little and you're like, bit. Oh, be- that's what that was built on. Because that was built yep. on that rock star pastor, um, whether or not they intended to or not, or, you know, despite maybe even the best intentions. So, but going back to Jamie, have you ever battled the rock star mentality or, Absolutely. or maybe are you, are you a oh, student pastor a with a rock star? Jamie I mean, like, is a rock star. Rocking it, rocking it out every Sunday. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I think especially early on, uh, but I don't want to just live in the early on, like, oh, we were all imperfect early on and now I'm perfect. Right, right. No, I'm not. I, I, I still am trying to find the the balance and specifically in the area of speaking earlier on, I was speaking too much. Why? Because I felt like I had to be up there. It had to be me. I had to be the guy communicating. And, um, you know, one of the mentors of mine and, and my, my, my boss, Kevin Ragsdale, <clears throat> um, had been giving me the advice, like, you should speak, not like none, but speak about a third less and it's going to free you up to build the ministry that's going to be healthy and really do what you need it to do. Cause it's not just speaking. It's a lot more than speaking, but the rock star in you wants to be the guy on stage. Right. And right. so I know early on I had to learn that cause I, that's what I grew up seeing. Right. And it's like student pastor, he's the guy on stage. So that's what I was trying to do. But I just had to learn what real ministry looks like. Yeah. And so for some of you who are like, Oh my goodness, I didn't even know this was a problem. I thought this was actually, you know, something to be applauded is that I'm, you know, trying to navigate and juggle all of these things. Uh, it's not, this is not a critique of what you're doing. For me, this is all I had seen. What my hope would be that as we have this conversation, it would be more freeing and liberating mm-hmm. to you to understand that, hey, there, there can be some ways that you get other people involved and it's good for you and it, it, it's good for them and it's good for you and your margin and your time with your family and your spouse. I mean, for, for some of you listening, it's like there, there needs to be time for you to go on a date with your spouse. So it, this is not just about like what happens in the foundation of your student ministry. It's about your personal life and not getting burnt out. Yeah. And I think it's also helpful to know you don't have to have a specific kind of personality to be an effective student pastor. Totally, Some of the best and most strategic student pastors that we work with actually don't have that sort of glitzy rock star on stage right. personality, but they're incredible coaches mm-hmm. for communicators. They're incredible strategists. And I think sometimes it's easy to count ourselves out because we see the other people mm-hmm. behaving a certain way or dressing a certain way or having a following that looks a certain way, we think that we're not the ones who are effective. Yeah. When I was in college, I was a small group leader at a student ministry that was ran by a a elementary school PE teacher. And so (laughs) she obviously did this on a volunteer basis, but was really great administratively, would never communicate, never be on stage, but just kept all the, you know, the pieces moving. It was great at recruiting leadership. And it was fantastic. It was, it was not a rock star mentality. I don't even know if the students, there's about 90 students there. If they even knew she was the student pastor, but it was happening successful crystal to your point. Oh yeah. And I think, I think we've mentioned a couple of 
really big negatives of love a rockstar yeah. ministry. One's longevity that it, uh, it, de- it depends on a person. So when that person's gone, it's gone. That's not a successful mm-hmm. ministry. It's just successful for a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another thing to realize is that, um, you aren't enough, uh, for like, you know, you can lead about how many people 30, I would say 30 effectively if it's on you. Mm-hmm. But when you make the switch to this is not about me and I'm going to give away ministry, and I'm going to bring other men and women in and I'm going to uh, recruit volunteers, your ministry starts to multiply. You can't multiply in a rock star model. Mm-hmm. You can. There are, have been big ministries that have brought in a rock star and then it's all about him. And then you have that longevity issue where when he or she leaves, the ministry is gone. But like so many of us are in build phase and like mm-hmm. you can't, you're going to hit a ceiling quick if you're the rock star and you're the center of it all. So what's leading youth pastors into this mentality? Because Ben, you said, well, you know, you might have engaged in it when, you know, in 98, because that's all you saw. But I feel like youth leaders, youth pastors are exposed to a whole lot of different models these days. It's not just the guy with a goatee and a pizza in his hand. There's a whole lot of, you know, different models out there. And I think, you know, I mean, student pastors are smart enough to know that there are a lot of options now. So what's leading them into this? Is it the, what you were talking about, Ben, um, just all this responsibility that's getting piled on and piled on and more responsibilities? Or is it, Jamie, what you're talking about more is just like, you know, it's the personality. I want to build my thing. I want to build my ministry, my brand, yeah, if you will. Bro, it's totally both hand. It's got it's both hand. It's it's a it's a thing we all experience. Is this job is hard? It's all encompassing. It can consume your life. You have responsibilities every single day of the week. Not only do you have to do logistical things and administrative things, you have all these personal pastoral things. People calling you at all random hours, and it is it is overwhelming. Combine that with the fact is you look to your left and to your right, or you look on Instagram or you look at whatever church and you're like, well, dang, look at those guys. I mean, they're blowing up. And so you think, man, I have got to do all that. I've got to be the man. I've got to communicate. I've got to lead. I've got to inspire. And this is about me. And it's not what we would overtly say, but it starts to turn into that. Mm-hmm. That, um, man, I, I want to be as cool as him, successful as him or her. And, um, you know, and so we start to like build all of it around us. And not only do our students suffer, but our family suffers, our, you know, your spiritual life suffers, your quiet time disappears, your, your, your peace goes away. Yeah, I think for some, sorry, Crystal, I think for some student pastors, this was the expectation given to them by their senior pastor when they were hired. That's and it. some of them said, you know, hey, you're the one who's getting a salary, so why would you go delegate your responsibilities to a bunch of other people? And you have some senior pastors who came from more of kind of the older mentality and the way, you know, ministry and student ministry was ran. And then I think... I'll just speak for myself here. It was ego. And to Jamie's point, when you look at the biggest churches, uh, typically there's personalities that we all associate with those bigger churches. Mm -hmm. For me, when I would be at events that had uh, student communicators on stage speaking at camps and events, they were the type of people that could build a following around themselves. And, you know, people liked them. My students in my student ministry would listen to them and think they were awesome and want to go to a youth group where they spoke. And I thought, well, that's what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I want to have a following. And I, I don't know if I would have was self-aware enough to admit that I was thinking that. But in yeah. my head, that, that's what I wanted. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note. I'm not going to name which ones, but two of the biggest student ministries in our country were founded by there happen to be two men, but two men that are not upfront communicators, and I then think that's so cool. and their their names you don't know them. And mm. the I'm not going to name the churches names. so we don't get into Will Church right. and this church. Right, right, right. But I'm just telling you, currently, two of the biggest student ministries in the entire country are started by people that are not rock stars in anybody's mind. They don't even know who they are because they built great ministry and they surrounded themselves with great people. So and, and 
they were forced to. They were forced right. to think foundationally because they knew they couldn't get up there every week and be, run the games and do the announcements and then give right. the talk and lead right. worship. And again, I think that there's probably another component, you know, group of people who are listening that would probably right now look at all of us and say, yo, I'm trying to build a foundation. <laughs> right, like, right, right. I can't yeah, get right, anybody right, right. to help me with anything. Yeah, so that, I understand there's that tension. Uh, and well, it's the smaller church who's like, well, I'm trying to build anything. You know, we're, we're talking about one of the dangers is longevity and you're going to lose your ministry and all that if you build it up. But if for a, a student pastor who has four kids coming or 12 students coming, it's like they've got nothing else to lose. So they are just trying to build a brand or build a personality or something. Does that yeah, make well, sense? Well, let me say this to that person. There's a difference between being stretched thin and asked a lot of and trying to make yourself the rock star. Those are two different things. Yeah. Being trying to hold up a ministry on your back because that's what you've been asked to do and because you don't have any resources, that's heroic. That's not proud, mm -hmm. you know, pride. Uh, that's not being that's a rock great. star. We're talking about something different. Yeah. We're talking about whether or not you got the resources and whether or not you got the people. Nevertheless, you're trying to build a ministry model that is built on you and your personality. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be busy and do that, and you can also be not busy and do that. And so um, if you're feeling overwhelmed and like, well, bro, I got to be involved in everything. Well, yeah, you do. And you're doing an awesome job. That's not what we're, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I don't think we're talking about the, the guy or the girl who's saying, I want people to come alongside me. Please, please, please come alongside me and volunteer. We're talking about the one who feels attention of, yeah, I don't know if I want as many other people in the lives of right. my students. Like, like some of the symptoms I would say is even some of the, I bet if you are building a rock star deal, if you left, it would might implode. People yep. would go elsewhere. Another symptom is the people that are, are volunteering or working around you probably feel a little bit micromanaged, like your voice is in everywhere and everything. And you're like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. And hold on, hold on, hold on. Trust is probably a little low for you and other people. I have, I, I mean, I've struggled yep. with that before. It's not like you're a bad person. Um, that would be another symptom. What, what are some other symptoms? So there? I spoke one time at a student ministry and the student pastor said, Hey, you know, it's rare for me to have somebody else here. He symptom. said, I don't mm. give up my pulpit very often. Major wow. symptom. Wow. And I thought, okay, this is, and I, I saw when that student pastor left, I saw what happened in that student ministry and it did exactly what you said. It diminished very quickly. I would say the amount of stage time, whether it's leader meetings, parent meetings, communication, if, if it's, Spotlight so time. dominated by you and no one else. That's a symptom. Yeah, I ask a lot. What's the? I think I said this earlier. What's the biggest attractor in your ministry? And if it's you, that might be a sign. I think another one to ask is who are your students closest to in your ministry? And if the yep. answer for all of them is you, it is you are rock star. Like that's what you're building. Um, either that or you're just the first small group leader and y'all are just getting started. That's fine if that's the case. But if you've got about more than thirty or twenty to thirty, forty, and you're every one of them is closest to you. You're running a rock star ministry. I mean, I think, CJ... Is uh, that too strong? Uh, uh, no, I think that's, that's 100% okay. true. Yeah, I, I think a great question to ask is simply, or play out, is what would happen if I died? Yep. <laughs> you know? What would happen if I left, if I died, if, you know, something... Uh, happened that, you know, drew me to another place. It, it's literally important, I think, to think through that scenario, not like your own funeral and what people right. would say, but like think <laughs> That's through, a different okay, exercise. What, what's going to happen? Like this group of people, you know, where, where are they going to go? What are they going to, you know, and, and what, really what's it practically going to look like for you? So what we're really saying is go ahead and start contemplating your own death. Like go ahead and just <laughs> run through that. Um, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's great, Ben. That's great. Uh, I hope. No, but and, you're and, right. Oh. I saw a student pastor do this so well, and I was so grateful that they they handled it this way. They came into our ministry as a volunteer. They started they started just 
grabbing volunteers and saying, Hey, I want you to start teaching. I want you to start doing hosting. I want you to start being on stage. I want you to start being in the spotlight. And there was a team of maybe 10 or 15 people who shared the spotlight. The student pastor was up there maybe 10% of the time, but when they left, Mm -hmm. the ministry didn't fall apart and the kids didn't suffer in the way that they had in previous times when a student pastor had left. And we were also grateful they've done that. You know, the underside, the, one of the sinister parts of this, I don't think anyone ever intends this to happen. I think this is maybe one of the things Satan wants to do with it, not to over-spiritualize, but I don't think that's, I think it's just right spiritualizing it. Um, <laughs> this and, is a Christian podcast. Yeah, we right. Can, and that's, that. Uh, that is that in a weird way, your student's faith actually becomes dependent on a person yep. and not mm. upon the person of Jesus Christ. It's not, I don't mean that. I mean on a pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if that pastor, say, stumbles and falls or leaves, all of a sudden, the thing that was sustaining their faith is now like gone. And okay, can I tell you the meanest way I've heard this say and said, and we can edit this out if we need to, but it was <laughs> it was so clarifying for me. I heard a coach say, make sure you're not asking your students to ask you into their hearts. Come on, no, put that and in the I podcast. Like, no, that needs to oh, Why would we edit geez, that out? That's awesome. There are many of us in, in here and, and out there that need to hear that right there. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you trying to make Lord of their life and the center of their life? Is it you and your ministry and how cool and awesome and persuasive mm-hmm. and eloquent you are? Or is it Jesus who is matchless and amazing and awesome and actually can take them from death to life? And, and we all intellectually know which one the right answer is, yeah. but what kind of ministry are you building? Yeah. And again I, again, I understand in some areas, in some places, there's been this expectation yep. in the church with the senior pastor. He's going to do every funeral, every wedding. He comes and visits everybody who's sick at their homes. Yep. So he, he's going to be the one who comes and meets with you if your kid wants to accept Jesus into their heart. So I understand that for some of us, we grew up in that mindset. So every invitation, every tough conversation, it, it filters through one person because that's the culture that you've seen. But Crystal, what you mentioned is interesting. Ironically, volunteer cultures, uh, volunteer-ran student ministries already get this instinctively. Uh, talking to a, a student ministry out of South Carolina, and it was one of those situations where student pastor left, then something happened. There was some like, you know, I don't know if it was a moral fallout or something with another student pastor. So then they're just scrambling; they can't get anybody. So there's a girl. Her her mom, you know, she's a sophomore, or junior in high school. Her mom's like, well, somebody's got to do something, mm-hmm. and so she just steps up and she starts managing people and working people and getting them into positions. And all of a sudden they're thriving even more so than they were before because it was all a one person type ministry. And so volunteers seem to get this. There's just a different expectation when your full-time salary is to be a student mm-hmm. pastor at a church with, that has 30 or more students. Mm. Wow. But this mentality is so difficult to see in the mirror, Ben. It's so difficult, I think, to to recognize, oh, maybe that guy, maybe that girl is me. That rock star is me. Now, just to recap just a little bit, but you're saying it's so hard to see in the mirror, but some of the symptoms are, you know, what would happen if you died? What would happen to your ministry if you just disappeared or, you know, something happened or, you know, and are you micromanaging your small group leaders? I think is, or micromanaging in general is what Jamie was saying. Uh, do you let other people speak often? You know, what, how much time are you on stage? Like these are some of the, are you the biggest attractor of your ministry? These are some of the ways to start to see some of those things in the mirror. Are there anything else for you? Okay. If if you had a volunteer, or somebody on the outside speak to your students and your students um, were just love that communicator and were super excited about them coming back to communicate again, would you be excited or disappointed? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is a sense of your ego that you have to check at the door in order for this to work because 
oh, that's great. We, we, had, we had a small group leader communicate and, you know, she did okay. Or he was fine, but our students were, you know, kind of excited for me to be back on stage again. That's easy mm-hmm. to build a foundation that way. But somebody comes in and hits a home run and your students are like, oh, you know, uh, when is Brian coming back to communicate again? You know, when is Jamie going to come in and speak to us again? You're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Are you saying you're more excited about Jamie communicating than me communicating? Yeah. It's, it's something that you are, have to be able to process. A way to ask that is, are you committed to putting the best people on stage or the best people in influence even when it's not you? Because when That's it's so good, when it's not you, does your does your pride well up? Does it all of a sudden? Well, we're never having him back again. We're never having. We're not going to let her run that. I need to run that, even though she's the best person, bro. You're running a rock star ministry. But man, that is the difference between being a personality and being a leader. Right. You can mm-hmm. lead a ministry yep. and never be the personality on stage. And right. here's what I think is interesting, Crystal, is you have conversations. I have conversations with student pastors who say, "I wish my senior pastor would develop me." I wish he or she would develop me and whatever that looks like, whatever people are meaning when they say that. But yet as student pastors, are you developing people? Like instead of just complaining that, oh, my senior pastor needs to develop me into being this, you know, massive leader that I want to be. Why don't you start the process of developing? Well, what does that mean? Well, it means you start taking chances on people who are like really green when it comes uh, to, to ministry. That's how we are all were when we started. It's like people took chances on us when we weren't ready for it. And so that's part of what leadership is. It's, it's cultivating people. It's giving people an opportunity to fail, to grow and to learn. And you have all of these future leaders sitting around you or potential future leaders sitting around you that we're, we're not giving them an opportunity. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I think when it gets down to rubber meeting the road, like practically, I think this issue is uh, in part an internal thing. Yeah. Like sure. that happens inside of me that I'm not the center of this. This isn't about me. Like I plant another waters, God makes it grow, that kind of stuff, you know? And then I think another is the strategic. So for example, I can have my heart in the right place, but then maybe accidentally build a ministry that's all around me because that's how I saw it done. And so mm-hmm. I think when we talk about solutions or guardrails or heart checks or whatever they are, I think we got to talk in terms of both of those. Like, um, what am I doing to keep my heart in the right place to I remember yeah. that who this is about? But then also what like practically on the ground kind of stuff do I need to put in place? What systems, what strategies do I need to do to ensure that the moment I step out of this, people are like, we're sad he's gone, but this ministry ain't gone. Yeah. Like it's still going. So, this is not built around him. So what her. does that look like? What is the opposite of that rock star student pastor mentality. What does that really look like? So CJ, let me just interrupt you there. Cause I want to ask Jamie this specific question. You're always welcome to interrupt me, Ben. It's I always nice. do. <laughs> I always do. I've proven that whether or not you've asked or not. You just... So Jamie at Buckhead church student ministry, you had a leader. I'm going to let you finish in a minute, Ben. I'm going to let you finish. No, I'm kidding. I just CJ, sure. I, promise Team you, Team Tay Tay. I promise you, I will stab you <laughs> under this table. You had a leader under you that, uh, you developed. He went on, took another student ministry position. Yep. So for you, you, you had to battle all this stuff, like your ego, other students liking right. him, but you also had to have like processes to help him develop. Talk, just talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the biggest obstacle to God using you to raise up other people is your ego and your insecurity. You know, it's like, I got to be secure enough to put somebody else on stage and then celebrate when they're awesome. And in fact, see that as a great thing. And even as a I mean, in a weird way, a compliment to me, but that someone God's using me to invest in is actually thriving, maybe at times doing better than me. I'm like, heck yeah, come on. Like God used, God used me to, part of, to be a part of that process. That should be a celebration. You know, God will never use you to raise up the next generation of leaders if you're insecure and you hog that stage and it's all about you and you get all upset and someone's better than you. 
So, and then you work all so hard to develop them, and then another church hires them. Right. And you're like, oh, great. Yeah, right, all right. Cool, real cool. Like, thanks. I just, I'll, I'll take your check in the mail for training your student pastor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, to answer your question about what's the opposite, um, yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll real quick talk about one, both and. I, just, I talked about the things in the heart and then the things on the ground. Like, in the heart, I think you just got to you got to fight to remember who you are and what role you have in it. It is the Holy Spirit that transforms lives and brings people alive. And literally, what I just referenced earlier, one plants another uh, waters, but God makes it grow. He goes on to say, so he who plants and he who waters is what? Nothing. Hmm. Nothing. It is God. It is only God who makes things grow. Only God. If you can stay there, this is going to be really easy. It's going to be really easy not to build it around you because you're like, how could I build it around me? I am nothing. I'm a planter and a water and God's the one who makes it grow. So, you know, there's that. Uh, but then let's, you know, practically, I think the number one, and we, this is not, I'm not bring, I'm inventing this, we would all agree on it, is probably the number one thing you can do to build a ministry that lasts after you is to build it around small groups and great volunteers. The relational thing, like students need to be closer to somebody else in your ministry than they're closer to you. And if they're not, then you're either in growth phase and you're very small and we're behind you and keep going, let's get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Or you're building the thing around you and you need to knock it off and you need to go find some incredible men and women and go, hey, students, I want you to love and get closer to them than you've ever been to me because they're going to be able to pastor you in a way that I can't pastor 60 students. It's impossible, you know? So I would say that's a very practical thing just right out of gate. Well, and I love that you said that because that's something that we learned here through the phase research when we began to research adolescent psychology. What we found was that every kid needs about five adult influences in their life and you're one. And if it's all built around you, you just can't be enough even for one right. kid. And so you have to be humble enough to invite other influences. I know even as a small group leader, if I'm being super honest, I'm a little bit jealous when a kid tells me that they are in a Bible study with someone else or being coached right. by someone else. There's a part of me that's like, like no, I want to be your all in all. But that's a <laughs> terribly unhealthy way to think about it. And in reality, each one of the girls in my group needs four other people speaking into her life. And so... I think I have to invite that and encourage that and help them go look for that. And student pastors have to do the same. Yeah, I would say two things. I would say, number one, to enjoy the mess. Like, it, if you can look at the messiness of development and, uh, you know, pouring into other people and building a bigger foundation, it's almost like you, you look at it like a game, like, uh, when are we going to find another great voice to speak into these students' mm -hmm. lives? When are we going to find like another small group leader? When are we going to find another person with another gift set that we get to highlight at a leader meeting? Like, it's almost like you kind of see it as a game, just that, oh, you know what, we're, we're taking chances on these communicators and it's, it's just fun. It's a mess. It's so much more difficult, but you just embrace that mess. And it's not, it doesn't have to be so much a, oh, I'm going to have to sacrifice and poor me and I have to be humble and give up my opportunity to speak. It's like, no, you got to get excited about it and see it like that. And I think the other thing is you're going to have to restructure some of the ways that you spend your time. And you're going to have to allocate probably more of that time towards adults than you are teenagers. Well, we all got into student ministry because we like teenagers more than adults. Like it, they're more <laughs> fun to hang out with. But all of a sudden you find yourself trying to recruit leaders, mm -hmm. trying to develop talent, trying to pour into staff members or volunteer team members. And all of a sudden your time is allocated because you're giving that ministry away. Even student ministries that are getting started and are very small. If you're running one of those, even from a volunteer position, you still need to be in as much of a looking for leaders mm -hmm. kind of point 
different than you are just trying to scramble to get some people to show up at the bowling alley, right? You right. still need leaders there. You give me a student ministry of five students, I'm still going to want a couple of leaders there yeah. and, and having multiple voices in those five students' lives. And I hope y'all just heard that. And what he's just saying is huge, that um, the more successful that you are in student ministry, the more time you're going to spend investing in adults and not students. And if that's not what you want to do, then be a small group leader. But if you want to be a student That's pastor so and want to be successful, realize that that means you're going to more and more and more and eventually even hire someone just to invest in the amazing adults that are on your stage and in your rooms, pastoring the many students that God is bringing around. That is huge. Yet we should charge for that advice. That was really, <laughs> really, really, really good. I want to add one thing onto yeah, it. And yeah, just, yeah. I think he alluded to it, but make sure that we're talking about not just um, a relational mon- ministry model via small groups. But also um, what Crystal was talking about, a voices, I'm a model that accounts for multiple voices in your students' lives. So sharing stage time. Yeah. You want to talk about another practical thing? Like look at your, your calendar and ask, who am I bringing in that's not me? And if it's no one, change that. You know, Not only is it going to give more voices to your students, it's going to give you more time. Even to focus for on ministries that are, ministry. say, like 10, 15, 20 students. Absolutely. That's still the best way. I get a, I get a oh, college sure. student that's been growing up in your church nearby. I get a, yeah. an adult who you have enough confidence in to, to, to teach or preach you know, well enough. You can work and develop them. Part of what Ben was saying, investing. Um, but yeah, you know, get off the stage and let somebody else up there. Very practically speaking, my goal in a student ministry would be on the number of Sundays to be on that stage under 50%, let fewer than less than 50% of the time. So under half I'm responsible for, and then I really have to work hard, especially if you're in a smaller student ministry to be responsible for the other 51%. Who's that, who that's going to be the, the time of like working with them, letting them make some mistakes, giving them feedback, you know, practical thing that we've done. Uh, Jamie and I have done before is when you have like, a hosting time or like game time or like MC or announcements, whatever you call it, your student ministry, you know, you give somebody some time in places like that and positions like that. You really set them up, allow them to be in front of your students for a couple of weeks before mm-hmm. you set them out there, you know, give them time. You, you know, you got to be further along in advance with your planning on your, your outlines so that they, they can get notes earlier in advance. Maybe they could even do a practice talk. I'm, I'm saying, especially early on when you have uh, other communicators, because, you know, it, for a, a small group leader who's going to communicate who never has before, they're going to be so nervous. They're going to need way more time in advance to plan mm-hmm. than you would on a week to week basis. So you have to really work hard on your organization to be able to empower people well, especially on the yeah. stage. Can I speak real quick to a a way I think we will give lip service to not being the rock star and yet act like it? And and that's this, um, those of us, and and I've been guilty of this, that we're in a small groups model. And a lot of people listen to this, you have small groups or Sunday school or whatever. But here's how you can be on the surface committed to it, but then undermine it. And that is, you're the communicator and you always go too long and there's not enough time for small group. That's a very simple thing right there. That's about you. Yeah, you're saying hearing me speak for 10 more minutes is not as important as you sitting in a circle with those adults that I positioned in your life. And you may say, well, I didn't mean to. Well, th- well but, but stop it. You mm-hmm. Mean not to then. And that's something I've had to tell myself. Like, well, I just prone, I'm prone to talk along. Yeah. Well, stop. Well, your phone has a timer. Yeah. Right. So. You know, plan your message <laughs> as a, as a, shorter. As a small group leader myself, I, I've actually thought that before when pastors have gone over. And it's just like I was asked to be here and told, hey, you're going to spend, you know, I, I would lead middle school guys. You're, you're going to have 20 minutes, right. you know, each week to pour into these students. And if I show up for an hour and a half or whatever it is, and I ended up with six and a half six minutes, minutes. Yeah. then it's just, it's, 
it's discouraging. Right. It really, really Here's is. another way. I kind of give you two more ways. One way is um, you spend a ton of time on your message and you spend about two seconds on your small group questions. Mm-hmm. You are prioritizing what they need to hear from you and not the discussion they need to have with the people in their life. There's another one. Here's yeah. one more. Sorry, this is the last no, you're one. good. Um, is when a student comes to you with a problem or an issue or a question and you delight in answering it instead of going, hey, you know what? I would love to give you an answer. I think you need to go ask Brian your small group leader. Yeah. And you're directing them towards the relationship that you know is more and needs to be more influential than even yours. If uh, times that I do that, I have to catch myself and go, bro, this is not about you. It's not about you having all the answers and them going, oh, Pastor Jamie. No, it's about them being able to find answers and grow in a relationship with Jesus with their small group leaders that I've intentionally put there. I'm So I try to, as a discipline, always read. Not that I won't answer, but I, if I do answer, I'm going to be like, hey, let me go get your small group leader. Let's talk about this together. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I'll join in that conversation. But I think those are three ways to, you know, that we can accidentally not put our money where our mouth is. It seems like what we're really getting to in this conversation Tell is me, ben. this idea. Down. Bottom line it for us. Give us the nugget. That <laughs> every one of us who does a small group model or some version of that in student ministry, all of us say the right things. All of us. Right, right. Oh, small group leaders are the most important. Yep. Hey, you guys give it up for your small group leader. We just love small groups. This is, you know, we use all the right words and all the right terms. But if we're going to look in the mirror and be really honest with ourselves about this conversation, we have to say, in what happens practically and functionally, both in my heart and on the floor of this student ministry, do I or do I not value uh, small group leaders more than myself? Mm. And that's a tough question that might slap some of us in the face, Mm -hmm. but it also will be a great way for you to know what levers you need to turn to get get yourself off of the rock star stage and say, okay, if I'm going to stand up and declare that, man, small group leaders, small groups are the most important thing, then I need to check everything else to see if it filters through that. So the opposite of the rock star mentality. So what I'm gathering is keeping your stage time down. You mentioned like you tried to keep yours under 50%. Are you going over your speaking time? Uh, are you spending more time or way, or way more time preparing for your message than your small group questions? Uh, are, is your ministry built around small groups? All these kinds of things. This is what the opposite of the rock star student pastor Do you have a potential is. replacement that you're yeah. trying yeah. to uh, are, yeah. are develop? You, are you looking for talent to be on stage? Are you recruiting uh, leadership. Uh, I think those are some other questions that you should be also thinking think about your brand. And I say brand intentionally, I was going to say vision, but I think brands more than that. I don't mean to get like company or business on us, but is, uh, is the brand of your student ministry, is it you or is it something that God is doing there? Um, and I, I think sometimes even I, I can walk into my own student ministry or another one and you just listen to what is the thing? What's the rallying cry? And, and, and if there is one, is it really just about how awesome the pastor is or is it about what you know, what we want to do in this town and in this city. And sometimes when there's an absent of a vision, there isn't one. It's probably because what it's built around is yeah. everybody loves Dave, you know? Yeah. Uh, Dave's awesome. That's what brings people to this church. Everybody freaking loves Dave. Can I say freaking? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah you can say bad. that. You, you get a okay. pass. <laughs> you're fine. We, one of the things I love about the fact that you just said that is is part of the fun part of, of our job is we get to meet a lot of student pastors. And we're, we're in a large room. Sometimes you just look for the... I mean, you just look for the best dressed people in the room. Like you look for the cool people. You look yeah. for the ones with tattoos. Skinny you look jeans. The skinny jeans. Right? You just you just look for the coolest people in the room, and they're and they're the youth pastors, which is great. Um, but there's an expiration date on that, and it doesn't mean you can't be in student ministry anymore. But there will come a day when you. It isn't as easy to be culturally relevant. It isn't as easy to look cool. And if it's all built around this cool persona or this cool brand or this 
this young hip awesomeness I think that's going to fade at some point. Yes. Have you built a, a foundation of young leaders who can come behind you and still be connected and relevant, but now yeah, you're leading yeah. them? Can I, can so I get true. on a soapbox? And you can edit this out later if you want to, but I'm, can I get up on a soapbox for just one sure, second? Sure, sure. I just want to talk about social media. Do you want to know the number one way you know you're a rock star? Is if you post a picture of yourself with a quote and quote yourself on oh, Instagram. So true. We need to stop. Like we need to stink and stop. That. I would do that if I knew how to do that, but I don't, I can't figure I, it out. I, I could be wrong guys. And I might just be old. I mean, I'm not that old, but I could just be old. I'm going to give them a chalk it up to that. If you think I'm crazy, didn't just, I'm crazy. I am crazy. But this yeah. guy's opinion is knock it off. Like you <laughs> don't need to be quoting yourself unless your talk was about you. Was yeah. your talk all about you? <laughs> then quote yourself. If your talk was about Jesus, then just, why don't you put the spotlight on him? I am through scrolling through <laughs> random Insta and all this and seeing this sick shot of a guy on stage looking like a boss with a, his own name on his own Instagram, sometimes written in the you know, little, cute, cute little handwriting, but yep. it's like Jamie Dickens, amazing <laughs> quote. I'm like, bro, you are not, that is not what we hear about. I just, that's soapbox and just over, to clarify, and go to the, there are some quotes with you and I on there on Instagram, but we did not post those. Like, Hey, if somebody camp, posts you, that's fine. I'm not, just I don't, want I'm everybody just to know that I did not. <laughs> that's your post disclaimer. But I'm going myself. to make an account tonight with your name on it and post quote. <laughs> oh, I would love it. Hey, no, really. If that was, if that's, if that's like, hey, no, that's, I actually I think really it's fine. like that. You said I think that. It's because I think it's very authentic. It really is. That I is don't, I don't that's rock star mindset. Like we're at a camp and the camp is putting a speaker's name and their picture and quoting that's them. Different. That's different. They're advertising what happened yeah. on their stage and that's fine. I'm talking about me putting me up there for me and it's me, 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 Brian Regan, you so, know, me monster. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking so about. So as we get closer to uh, wrapping up here. That's CJ's attempt to wrap up this podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's like, shut up, Jamie. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great. Here goes Jamie again. Guys, rock star. When you have, when you have Ben and Jamie around the same table, this it's is a bad day. This is this is a lot to corral. <laughs> yes, but I can just I can just hear or feel a student pastor who's like I fall into all these categories and I didn't even know it, or like I've just never thought about bringing somebody else in, or it's just like I'm the only one. I didn't know wh where to go to get another student pastor, or uh, you know, just someone who's like, whoa, like I, it sounds like you guys are talking about an ego monster. I didn't, I don't think that's me, but I fall into all these categories. What would you say? to that guy or girl as we wrap up and what's what's their next step well for me i missed the question entirely i don't understand what the question was don't still... worry about it. i'll answer it okay. we don't need you to answer it so for me <laughs> when i <laughs> sorry i want to be a, a rock star sorry sorry jamie it was a long question when i realized reference. <laughs> when i realized that i i it was rock star mentality for me and it, it was unintentional so i i right. think for most of us it's unintentional and we're not trying to like make demigods out of ourselves and we realize there's another way to do things, it's relieving. Like my hope would be if you're hearing this and realizing this, you're like, oh, wow, thank goodness. Like I don't have to speak 212 yeah. times a year. Like I don't yeah. have to be responsible for every, uh, for, for the discipleship of every single student here. Yeah. There's going to take some work on the recruitment and, uh, development and communication in, but to know that like this whole thing is not resting squarely on your shoulders my goodness, like that, mm -hmm. that should feel like a burden was just released off of your shoulders. And I think for me too, thinking about the students in that student ministry and caring about them because I had been with them for six years and thinking that there was a good chance that things would just kind of continue uh, in their lives after I left, that, that meant a lot to me. 
And it wasn't like, oh my goodness, if I leave, are all these students going to leave? It was like, no, th- these students are in good hands. All of that is so much more relieving. And over time, it will affect your schedule in a good way. Um, so I think you're looking at nothing but positives, even mm-hmm. if this has been a little bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that there's so much power and return on giving your ministry away. And if you give your ministry away via to volunteers, to other communicators, to other people, staff, empowering and developing other people, when you give it away, God multiplies it. It's just, you, 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 there's so much potential um, and there's a massive return when you, uh, when you give it away. And if you find yourself riding around in your car one day and you, you, know, you hear that that communicator you developed is on a bigger platform than you provided for him, and you found out that that girl that when that worship leader's now on somebody else's that, album, that yep that that girl that you developed is now gotten a student ministry job at a, a much bigger church, and she's not giving you any credit. As that the students <laughs> going to that other church down the road. Yes, for a bunch of heathens anyway. When people that you have personally taken a chance on and invested go out and get bigger opportunities than you, I want you to smile, and I want you to say, I'm so proud right. that they have outshined me, as opposed to being like, whoa, dude, like, mm-hmm. what about me? Like, you just abandoned me now that you got all these big opportunities. That's a gift to be able to do that. And um, you should be proud of that. That's awesome. And know that that makes you a fantastic leader. Right. It's not yeah. that you're failing because someone went on to do better things. In fact, you're a better leader for it. And other people watching know that. Other people watching see you investing in, in leaders and it makes you look like a better leader for doing so than just being on stage yeah, all the time. I, I just, when I, I, I was just hearing you say that and I was thinking, gosh, I hope everybody listening knows this is hard. We're not yeah. talking about this because it's easy and oh, like we're not at this table because like, oh, we figured it out. No, bro, I'm at this table because this, I still wrestle with this. If I don't keep my heart in check, I'll start comparing. I'll start making it about me. I'll get insecure. I'll get jealous. I'll get all those kinds of things. If I don't let the Holy Spirit work in my heart, in a heartbeat, I can get there. I'm yeah. at this table because someone at this table <laughs> invested in me. I mean, Ben gave me all kinds of opportunities and feedback and coaching, and I'm so grateful for it. So this is certainly not easy. But I told you to make sure you gave gave me credit for that. (laughs) There's the required credit. We checked that box off. I'll I'll, I'll quote that and put that on my Instagram (laughs) uh, page later if you guys want to check that out. (laughs) But look, it's it's not about anyone out there feeling like they're indicted or we're we're all, I mean, man, we're all doing a great work, and yet there's just going to be temptation. It's going to be hard. What we do is hard. And I think... Without this, you know, Jamie says, what, you know, his uh, ego can get in check and all, you know, all he can struggle on that side of it. For me, when I get wrapped up into this, my kids suffer mm-hmm. because wow. I feel this continual pull to answer and solve every problem that happens. And so that's the, that's the calling. And that's where I move. And over, there's less time with my kids. There's less time at home. There's less investment in my marriage. And my personal spiritual life suffers. That It just starts to creep away at this side, the personal you know, spiritual side for me when I'm wrapped up in this mindset. Bro, that's yeah. so true. Some of you, some of you I, I hope, will just end this podcast and just pray the simple prayer. God, you know that verse, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because you're you're exhausted from the am I good enough? Am I good enough? And mm-hmm. um, am I, you know, looking across even maybe the street at another church, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to live up to that rock star right. over there, you know, and and ministry has become something you dread, uh, and yourself has become a path. You doubt yourself. Maybe you seem to be God. Just 
I just want to remember the joy that I had when I got in this thing to begin with. It was just like students come to know Jesus and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I believe my God was big enough. You remember those days? Yep. Those were great days, weren't they? Well, we can still live in them. We just got to, we got to fight for it. Yeah. Um, so man, I, that's my prayer for anyone listening to this is just that you would stay in or rediscover the joy of your salvation that got you into this in the first place. Well, guys, this has been an awesome conversation. And if you're listening to this, I hope it is, you know, as, as hard as some of these things are to see in the mirror. I also, like Ben said a few minutes ago, I hope it's relieving and I hope it's refreshing to realize, hey, this doesn't all need to sit on my shoulders. My ministry, because my ministry doesn't need a rock star, it needs a leader. Like that's what's best for for my students. So thank you guys so much for having this conversation. And thank you for listening to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through your Apple podcast app. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing and what we can do to continue to make this podcast better. And please quote us numerous times in all of your right. posts. Yeah, and post a lot of I have headshots of on my Instagram if you need right. some. Yeah, to and take, pull quotes from this podcast episode. Send them to Jamie. He'll post them. Yes. And finally, uh, for more great resources, <laughs> to check out the show notes for this episode and to learn about the Speaking to Students product that Jamie and Ben are both a part of, you can visit our website rethinkingym.org. We'll have links to all of that there. Until next time, I'm CJ. I'm Crystal. This is Jamie. I'm Ron Burgundy. Stay classy, San Diego. (laughs) And thank you for listening.